This is ContraZoom, where we go back and forth about film. I'm your host, Dakota Arsenault, and today's episode is presented by Aesthetic Magazine. Now, earlier this year, we did an episode about Disney Plus after that was announced and all the different shows that were coming to the platform. And with Disney's Investor Day, there's a ton more information, not only about the Disney brand, but also everything that's going on with all the different companies under their umbrella. And some of it's really exciting and stuff we're really looking forward to. So joining me once again is Sammy Felchenfeld, who is there on the Disney Plus episode, which you can find in the show notes, uh, and here to talk all stuff Disney Plus. And I don't mean Disney Plus the platform, but Disney Plus everything else. Sammy, how are you today? I'm good. I'm ready to talk about Disney and uh, find a way to to not list off every single thing that was announced because it is too many things. It's tough. Yeah. So we we have a list of basically everything that was announced. Some of it we're just going to skim through. Some of it we're going to talk a little bit more in depth, especially the stuff that's a little closer to fruition instead of stuff that's like, and they plan on coming out with 20 Star Wars shows and here's you know, the detail of every little thing that we know about them. No, that's ridiculous and impossible to do. I agree. And I also think it's worth noting that we're sort of, uh, we're, we're, we're in this realm now where we're blurring the lines between film and TV. I think Disney is starting to really see them kind of line up a bit. And I talked about that when we talked about Disney Plus last time too. So it'll be interesting as we kind of dive into this because there are simply too many movies and TV shows to talk about. Exactly. Yeah. And I think, to your point, we're going to talk about it more later on, but with all the different Marvel and Star Wars stuff that's coming out, that's all basically now canon, especially the Marvel stuff, which are basically acting as sort of standalone movies for, you know, more secondary characters to be able to to get some screen time for them. They're, this is all going to factor into what the MCU is doing as a whole. Which, I mean, only Disney can do this, but... That also is kind of scary. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Which I know there's been a, a ton of criticism and pushback for everything that they've been doing. And, and you know, I'm, I'm sure we'll probably touch on that a little bit throughout. But, um, yeah, I know not everyone sees this as, as such an exciting thing. Well, let's dissect it then, shall we? <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, so I guess, you know, the, the, big, the biggest news, you know, for me at least, is uh, that they're finally incorporating what they own under the 20th Century Fox banner that they they picked up last year. They're finally going to start incorporating that into the Disney Plus universe, we'll call it. Uh, If you live in the U.S., you already have access to Hulu, which is not available anywhere else. And now Hulu is technically owned by several different companies where they all kind of share it as a platform, but it's not available in Canada. And so that means all the stuff that Disney has purchased under the Fox banner is not available to us in one, you know, nice, complete package. They are now introducing Star Plus. It's going to be known by slightly different things in in different countries around the world, but coming in February and as it rolls out to even more countries throughout the world, we're going to get incorporated Disney plus and star plus. They're not quite sure exactly how it's going to look, whether it's going to be, you know, password protected because there's being so fiercely protective of the fact that Disney plus is a family friendly streaming site, but there is going to be some stuff involved with that. But that also includes a price hike. It's going to be $3 more going up to $11 a month Canadian, which is still, you know, at this point, far cheaper than Netflix, which has just raised its price to, I believe, like $18 a month, making that much less of a, a enjoyable option to keep paying for. But yeah, what do you what do you think of all this big news coming out? 
Yeah, so I think the first thing for that price hike is I'm glad that I buy the annual Disney Plus, which means I won't be touched by the price hike until November of next year, um, when the annual price uh, is also increasing to relative. Um, but I think it's it, it, it couldn't be more clear after four hours of Disney Investor Day that Disney Plus is all that matters to, di- to Disney right now, especially with the parks closed, because Anyone who's ever looked at their financials, the parks is where they make the most of their money, that and merchandise. Um, but Disney Plus now is an opportunity where um, it, it doesn't have to be a movie that they spend, you know, $300 million on to make and promote. They can make them a billion billion dollars. They can make a billion dollars a month easy by just getting people on Disney Plus. So um, it seems very clear that that's, that's always been the focus, but they've really ramped it up. I think Star is great because there was even a quote in the Investor Day, I can't remember who it was, um, who said, no one knows what Hulu is outside of the U.S., whereas Star is a known brand in, in parts of Europe and Asia and in, in Latin America and South America. Like There's a lot of parts of the world where Star or Hot Star were already kind of known quantities. Um, it's not known in Canada at all, but they're literally just going to pop it in as what they call this, I think, the sixth branded region or tile or whatever in Disney+. Plus. I think, like you said, what will likely happen is the day it launches, February 23rd, I believe, um, people will probably log into Disney+, Plus, and the first thing that will pop up will probably say, do you want to have Star visible? Or what's the, like, how do, how do you lock out this mature content? Because it is going to be, you know, it's going to be Deadpool on Disney+, Plus, which no one would have ever thought happened. Um, a number of series a lot of the stuff that's on FX that doesn't really have another arrangement in Canada, um, unlike something like HBO Max where everything goes to Crave. Um, so it'll be interesting. It'll be really interesting to see how that works. I'm I'm just excited to get more content. Um, I think that that it's it's going to be a very different approach to curation um, as as opposed to the rest of the Disney Plus environment. But I mean, we all knew a price hike was coming. I think what's really funny is that it's sort of like, hey, here's a ton more content. We can't tell you what it is, but it's worth it. Trust us. <laughs> and honestly, I know that not everything is going to be there, but just knowing that, you know, what's already on Disney plus is good for a certain section of, of its audience. The fact that they're going to basically probably double what they have on there already is going to be a huge bonus for everyone that's a subscriber or a potential subscriber. Because the biggest criticism of Netflix in the recent years is that as all these different companies have been, you know, creating their own streaming services and renegotiating rights and all this sort of stuff, all the uh, non-Netflix properties have very quickly been disappearing. You, you try to find a movie that isn't a Netflix original or TV show that isn't a Netflix original, and you're basically SOL. There's some stuff still there that I know people like. Friends is on there, which is leaving, but Seinfeld is coming. Uh, the Office is leaving. So, you know, the, you know, the biggest properties for them that they don't already make it, it's constantly in flux. But then, you know, Netflix has turned to basically pumping out basically uh, a TV show or a movie every single week. So that way subscribers don't get bored. Whereas compared to other uh, platforms, I believe canceling Netflix is a is a little bit different than it is. I, I'm not, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I think you you need to give like a month's notice. Whereas you know Disney Plus or whatever, you can cancel at any time, and you basically just get a prorated refund for wherever you are in the month. Yeah, and I think it's sort of like uh, I think the approach is is with Disney Plus. Uh, we talked about it before. Is that this is you're buying into the Disney universe, you're d- buying into your childhood nostalgia, you're buying into access like the only place to get the the black cauldron which is a both awesome and terrible uh 80s animated movie in high quality is on disney plus they're never going to release a blu-ray as much as all of us on the internet would hope um so it's it's buying into that whereas if you look at something like peacock you basically which is not even i don't think it's even come to canada yet um 
it's it's like oh you want the office you want friends that's where it's going to end up in these uh, originals and i think what's what's more of a challenge too is everybody everybody is getting in, into this game more and more so in the states as discovery plus is launching in, in the new year which is basically tlc hgtv food network i mean it's something i would get if it was cheap enough because i love food network and then cbs all access is rebranding to paramount plus so everybody's doing this stuff and we're now going back to if you want everything you're basically just paying for cable again mm-hmm. um th- at least the benefit in canada as much as i don't love crave is that we have Netflix, we have Crave, we have Disney Plus, and and a handful of others like Apple TV Plus that exist here. But there tends to be just sort of arrangements to kind of get things in different places. That's not to say I don't I think HBO Max will be here within a year because of of what they're doing for for film. Um, so it'll be it'll be interesting. But bringing it back to Disney Plus, what we're what we're not seeing anyone else doing is sort of um, kind of kind of really pulling attention from other from other streamers in in really powerful ways. Um, Prime does it with a handful of shows and I think two years from now Amazon Prime will be even bigger once all their fantasy stuff is finally ready but you can't like no one else can say they have a Pixar movie no one else can say they have all these all of these pieces now that are all in one place yeah, Disney still has a lot of cachet as far as what their name symbolizes, and that's something that n- almost no one else can touch. You know, you you, t- you say, this is a Netflix original. You can go, all right, well, is it one of the good ones? Is this, you know, Queen's Gambit? Is this Glow? Is this Orange the New Black? Or is this some of the terrible stuff, which you can't even remember it because they've got 50 other shows that you've literally never heard of before. I think that's the biggest thing. Netflix original is not a, a brand. It's whereas on Disney Plus, if it's a you, like you'll know if it's a Disney show, if it's a Star Wars or Marvel thing, you'll know if it's Pixar. Like that's that they have a much more of a brand containment. Even with with pieces from FX and other areas coming on, like you'll know what to expect broadly speaking. Um, and I think that that's that's something more unique that even that than probably any any other kind of quote unquote original because Apple TV Plus is you know it's it's pretty content light even with their their slow efforts to expand that stuff but it's still not it's not the same as being able to say it's on disney plus you know and and i gotta say apple tv still confuses the heck out of me stephanie had a free subscription to it when she bought a new ipad and we're browsing through it and we're like oh and these movies are on here and you click on you're like and you can rent or buy it but you can't stream it they don't really clarify what's actually content that is included with the subscription and what isn't. So it's, it's a, a huge mess and I'm not a fan of it, their platform at all. Yeah. I, we, we could probably talk at length about the, the kind of the, the fact that there are way more streamers than there need to be. Um, but I mean, that's like, th- that's the biggest thing is when you're sort of the hardware maker, making the, um, making the, the, making the software in a way, making the, uh, the streaming platform. But I do want to talk about really quickly about um, this did come up at, at uh, Investor Day. So HBO Max, um, all of Warner Brothers films in 2021 will will be on HBO Max uh, day and date as they are in theaters, if theaters are even open in the states. Um, Disney did that approach with Mulan, which we all know as what they call Premier Access. And what they're also doing that's a bit different is this fall's Pixar movie Soul will launch on Disney Plus as just part of Disney Plus on Christmas Day. What is this place? What's your name, honey? Uh, I'm Joe. I teach middle school band. Cut it, go for it! Today started out as the best day of my life. Back here tonight, first show's at 7. Yes! Woohoo! You know what that's gonna say? Joe Gardner! <laughs> I did it! I got the gig! 
But then their next animated feature, Raya, will be Premier Access again, which is at least an, an indication that it must have done well enough for them. Premier Access is $35 in Canada and we were already paying for Disney+. Plus. It's not a draw for someone like me who's a huge Disney fan. Um, so even Raya, which I'm excited for, um, I will wait the, the three or four months. Mulan came out only uh, three months later on regular Disney+. Plus. Um, but it is interesting to see that I think Disney is a little gun-shy of doing what HBO Max did. I think Warner Brothers just saw, you know, they will get tens of millions of more subscribers just because Wonder Woman and Dune and all these other movies will come to, to HBO Max as well. Um, but I think Disney's not as much worried about that when their numbers are already so high. Yeah, I think I think in the new year, especially after Wonder Woman comes out, we'll be able to probably do a proper episode about everything that HBO Max is doing because it's super interesting. And we've gotten a ton of great uh, quotes from people like Christopher Nolan and Denis Villeneuve already. Yeah, and I think it'll be like, I mean, I said this before on a few other episodes is I, I will see Dune one way or another. And if it has to be at home, it'll be at home. It'd be great if I didn't have to pay extra for it, but I will. I, it's a movie I would rent on the day it comes available. Um, but I, I think it'll be interesting to see sort of how that all plays out. And I think that the, the model, um, the model will be very different. I'd say a year and a half from now than it is now. Um, which I'm kind of hoping of like more things like what Disney Plus is doing with Star of integrating content, not another new standalone streamer, because that I think was Disney looked at, at Hulu in the States and looked at the rest of the world and said, you know, in most places, it does not make sense to say to have another Disney branded service. Now, granted, in Latin America, Star Plus will be separate, but be, that's because it's a huge range of content we're not even getting in North America. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I think we can transition to to talk a little bit about some of the releases that were announced on Disney Investor Day. So we're going to kind of talk just very quickly through through a bunch of it, uh, starting with the original TV shows coming to Disney+. Plus, The Mighty Ducks, we've known about this for a little while. They've been teasing it. And of course, Emilio Estevez is coming back for that. They'll be coming in 2021. Uh, a weird Beauty and the Beast prequel with Luke Evans and Josh Gad, which is going to be very interesting i don't know like that movie i guess did well enough but i I don't really think it needs a a tv show and then percy jackson and the olympians they got i think what one two three movies you probably know better than i do but uh those movies don't exist i don't know what you're talking about Uh, they they got they got two movies that were fine at at best like a four four maybe three eight three point five out of ten um rick riordan who wrote the books and who, I mean, his these books have been published by Disney, which is why I was a surprise Disney never made the movies, in theory. Um, I think Disney Plus does have them, though. We'll get them again, because I think they were Fox movies. But um, he hated the movies. He thought they were terrible. He's involved with the production of the show. But this is a this is a book that, this is a series that spawned, a, it was a five-book series, and then three separate five-book series. And I think that there's another five-book series on the way. So there's, there's a lot of lore. There's a lot of stuff there. Um, a lot of opportunity. Um, but it's like, it's, I think what Disney's hoping for is that when these first books first started coming out, those people now who the people who read it now have kids. So the idea is that hopefully they'll get Disney Plus. Well, if they have kids, they probably already have Disney Plus. So they're <laughs> just looking forward to it at this point. Yeah, yeah. So that, that was something a series I never really got into, but uh, I think that's probably the biggest one for that. I know Mighty Ducks will probably be big for nostalgia reasons, but uh, we'll, we'll have to see. Now, one of the other tiles is National Geographic on Disney+, Plus, and uh, they've been doing uh, the right stuff the, that was based on uh, the book and subsequent movie. Uh, that's been on there this year, but they've got a few other stuff coming out, including Welcome to Earth, not Earth. 
uh, hosted by Will Smith. I'm not too sure exactly what's going to be going on with that, and he better say welcome to Earth. Uh, and then I'm really excited for, for Cousteau, which is going to be a new documentary movie about uh, Jacques-Yves Cousteau, uh, the famous underwater explorer who is the basis of Bill Murray's uh, Life O'Clock with Steve Zissou. <laughs> which is the reason you want to watch it, I'm sure. Exactly. <laughs> That's my favorite movie. Um, I think it, National Geographic is an interesting thing. I have not probably watched anything on that tile, but I know that there's people who love that stuff. And I think just to show that Disney is, is really kind of leaning into it. Um, I think it's, it's the type of stuff people love having on in the background too. So this is only two of many things that they're working on, but it's interesting for Cousteau is that it's um, they're, they're aiming for a debut in theaters before coming to Disney plus. I wouldn't be surprised if that just is a Disney plus and theater release at once. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, National Geographic is interesting because it definitely is like, uh, you know, mostly nature documentaries, that sort of stuff. And there is a large segment segment of the population that does enjoy watching them. I wouldn't call them adult programs, but they're definitely not the sort of stuff that your kids will probably like. I know they have made a few more uh, child-friendly versions of this Planet Earth-style documentary, but this is definitely more for the parents. Yeah, for sure, which I guess, speaking of that, is a good segue to FX. Yes, there's there's two shows in particular that really caught my eye. The first one is going to be a TV show about Alien, which is going to be created by Noah Hawley, who is the current creator and showrunner of Fargo, where, you know, I think when Fargo got announced, everyone was like, why are you doing a TV show based on Fargo? This makes no sense. And everyone has been very pleasantly surprised with just how weird and interesting that show has become. And him doing a show about Alien is just going to be just as interesting. And I believe Ridley Scott's going to be involved in it as well. So you at least have the mastermind behind it there as well. So I'm really hoping he does something a little uh, out of left field, something that we're not really expecting and and really plays with uh, with the Alien mythology. I'm expecting good things. Noah Hawley also did Legion, which I I loved. Um, He's basically one of those FX um, poster boys right along there with Ryan Murphy. Um, and I think that there's good opportunity there. I think that, that, uh, I will caution that having Ridley Scott involved doesn't necessarily mean something good. Um, <laughs> just, just putting that out there for sure. Yeah, you're right. Uh, and then the other FX show that I'm kind of curious about is Shogun, which is uh, a very famous novel by James Clavell. Uh, I believe they they previously had made it into a, a mini series way back in the day. And the fact that they're they're remaking it, I'm, I'm curious to see what they do with it. Yeah, I I don't know much about it, but I I the FX stuff I've seen I've really enjoyed, and now that it will hopefully be on Star, will make things a lot easier too. This is the type of show that my dad will be all over. <laughs> uh, yeah, so those are so those are some of the the TV shows and that we know are, are coming out. But uh, we'll talk a little bit maybe about animation stuff. I feel like you have a better handle on this, so if you want to kind of lead the way of which ones are exciting for you, for sure. I think it's um, this has got to be so Disney Animation likes to to keep people you know give a few years in advance. Moana was announced about th- uh, five years in advance, I think. Um, so interestingly, we only still only have an insight to about a year in advance from, and this is just animation studios, so not including Pixar, which I'll get to. But I mentioned Raya and the Last Dragon, which has always been coming up um, for in t- early 2021. As I said, it's going to come out in March on, on in theaters and Disney Plus Premier Access. Not as interested talking about that. What I do want to talk about was the the surprise um, unveiling of Encanto, which is the next Disney animated feature, the 60th Disney animated feature, um, which is uh, music by Lin-Manuel Miranda. It's not made 
purely clear if it's going to be a musical. I'm going to have to guess it is um, set in Columbia. Uh, there's very little information, just it's going to be magical. Um, what I think is really interesting about it, though, is that, as I'm saying, it's been very rare that it's only a year out that we know um, that this is a movie coming. We know nothing about it. Um, so I think that that's a really interesting uh, a really interesting approach. And I wouldn't be surprised if it'll follow, depending how things are going with the vaccine and with the pandemic, if it'll follow the same approach of theater release and premier access. Any thoughts on either of those movies? Yeah, I don't really know much about them. Obviously, getting Lin-Manuel Miranda to, to do music again, which he did for, was it Moana that he worked on music for? Yeah, he so he was uh, one of the the songwriters from Moana. Yeah, and, and you know, I think at this point, if you have Disney Plus, you've probably seen Hamilton by this point. You know what a talent he is, so that's going to be exciting to say the least. For sure, and I think it's um, I think what what also made it interesting that they only announced one more upcoming film instead of more is the first ever um, animated series uh, done by Animation Studios. So Disney has about six or seven studios devoted to, to television animation and what they what used to be called Disney Tune and a few others that were direct to DVD. This is the first time that the main studio, um, Animation Studios, will be doing TV shows, uh, four based on, on movies and one that is uh, original. So Baymax, which is interesting. It's a spinoff of Big Hero 6, even though there already was a Big Hero 6 show. Um, Zootopia Plus, which I'm really interested in because it's, it's supposed to be TV shows set in the world of Zootopia. Um, and then series that, two series that are kind of Disney princess follow-ups of Tiana from Princess and the Frog, which is amazing because I thought Disney forgot about that movie. Mm-hmm. And Moana the series, which is, um, you know, kind of the same name as the movie. So it'll be interesting to see. And then finally, Iwaju, which is a, a project being done by a Pan-African animation company. Um, I'm pretty sure it's something where Disney is essentially going to it, it, it's going to have disney in its name um but it's being purely made by by this um by the this group it, alongside animation studios i think these are just interesting to watch because um disney plus a lot of the marvel shows we talk about they take the root of you know the six to ten episode piece i think a lot of these will kind of follow those that road we're not gonna we may not be seeing you know eight seasons of moana the series this might just be you know the six episodes of baymax or eight episodes of tiana and then there's going to be something else Interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm I probably won't watch any of them if I'm being truly honest with myself, but I do imagine that they're probably going to attract most of the original voice actors and big name celebrities. So it's definitely going to be an event. Yeah, I think so. And I think it's, um, you know, we know Disney has money, so that's not a concern for, for <laughs> those types of stories. But I think it's also being mindful of, you know, what are people interested in? What's going to take off? I, I have to say I'm probably the most interested in Zootopia Plus and Tiana. I'm obviously going to be interested in the movies. Um, but I will change gear to Pixar as well because along the same lines, Pixar, we tend to know pretty far in advance usually what they're doing. Um, so they had three movies to talk about um, other than Soul, which we know is coming out uh, this month in December. Uh, Luca next year, which we still know very little about, um, set in Italy. Uh, we have a really interesting um and very very pixar movie uh, called turning red about a, a a tween who turns into a red panda when she gets excited and just from the one image looks hilarious um and then probably the weirdest thing from the film side is lightyear which is uh chris evans as the original buzz lightyear so it's it's a spin-off of toy story but i think it has nothing to do with toy story it's sort of the this is very early pixar where they they sort of see one thing and make a huge idea out of it, um, which is great to see, you know, Pixar still doing its thing. And then they have a few shows coming, which are adaptations of, t- of their movies. But I, the one show that I think is interesting to me is their original series called Win or Lose, 
Um, which is really interesting that Disney Disney said, you know, it's coming out February 2023. That's almost that's more than two years away. That's really unusual that they're like, you know, we know exactly when it's coming. That's still far away. Um, but it's interesting to see a different approach from uh, animation studios as sort of, you know, we're still going to make a bunch of movies and here's a few TV shows. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited about Turning Red. It's being directed by the director of Bao, Domi Shi, who is from Toronto. So I'm very excited to see what that's that's going to be like. And both Disney and Pixar really seem to be embracing multiculturalism and getting people with different perspectives and backgrounds to take the leads of their films. And that's just a, a plus for me. It, would you say it's a Disney Plus? I would say it's a <laughs> Disney Plus. I walked right into that, didn't I? Yeah, you did. I will say what's interesting is that this is the House of Mouse we're talking about. It's, a, it's an empire built off of animation, but animation was a small part of this whole uh, presentation. They obviously have done lots of other things for a long time, but it's interesting to see that they sort of, you know, they, they did devote some time to animation studios and Pixar and then said, okay, we're moving on to other things. Mm -hmm. So we can talk a little bit then about what the Walt Disney Studios motion pictures are are working on. A lot of the stuff we we already kind of knew, you know, it was teased earlier that Hocus Pocus 2 was going to be back. And I I believe all three original witches are going to be there. Uh, And then we also knew about a Pinocchio with Robert Zemeckis and Tom Hanks. So that's not really news. But then there was some, some other news that was somewhat interesting. You know, they're doing a... Another Sister Act movie with Whoopi Goldberg. Not really sure how that's going to go. Tyler Perry's involved. So uh, uh, an exciting one was Chippendale Rescue Rangers, which is going to be a mix of both animation and live action. But it's with John Mulaney and Andy Samberg, who are already in the Disney family because I believe they're both voice actors on um, uh, – shoot, what's that the show called? Uh, the Ducks. Uh, I can't remember. Well, I'm blanking. Either way, um, <laughs> I, I know that they're both voice actors. That I probably should be pulling this up as we're talking, but I'm, I'm not going to do that. So that's one that that really excites me. Was there was there anyone that you want to sort of mention there? Um, the big thing for me, for sure, Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Absolutely, it's basically one of my favorite shows from childhood. Great casting. The one that stands out to me is Disenchanted, which was an which was technically announced, I think, as far back as seven or eight years ago. So the first one came out in 2007 made me fall in love with Amy Adams, a love affair that still exists today. Um, and it's, um, it's I, I don't care how they do it, it's going to be great. But what's really interesting is the majority of the films they announced coming to Disney+, Plus, coming to Disney+, Plus, coming to Disney+, Plus. there are only a handful that, that some we even pretty much knew about that are actually going to be, you know, in theaters. They're, they're big kind of tentpole, probably billion dollar um, films, mostly adaptations, of course. But really it's, you know, it's great they're going to have all this stuff. I'm going to watch most of it. I can tell you that. But I think that that it's, it's only a handful that really caught me. Interesting. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree. Uh, I, I don't know how much they'll really catch my eye. Uh, we're getting a Lion King prequel directed by Barry Jenkins, which is, you know, just about the weirdest thing that I could possibly say. Uh, and then a, a Little Mermaid live action, which is just continuing the trend of remaking their movies into live action versions. Yeah, we're also getting an Aladdin sequel at some point, which they didn't even talk about. It's it's funny that it's sort of like they they use this day to sort of be like, you can stay at home on your couch, just please giving us money every month into the future. And <laughs> you know what? Go for it, Disney Plus. You do you. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we can talk a little bit about what's going on with Lucasfilm. You know, 
that was something we kind of knew a little bit of, of more stuff was going to be coming down the line, especially with the success of the Mandalorian being on Disney plus their season two is currently airing, which I do need to catch up with. And we already knew that there was going to be an Obi-Wan Kenobi TV show with Ewan McGregor, but we got news that Hayden Christensen is going to return as Darth Vader. So that's really interesting. I'm cautiously optimistic for this. I, I have hope uh, that it's going to be good. It, it, I guess it sort of depends are they going to take the success of The Mandalorian and keep allowing its creators to do what they want to do? Or as they go on, are they going to be very rigid set rules where all these different creatives have to follow essentially sucking all the life out of them? That's a great question. I think that it's interesting to note that specifically John Favreau and Dave Filoni are only assigned to a few of the series. And they're the, the makers. Uh, John Favreau in particular is the maker of uh, The Mandalorian. I think that there's there's both an aspect of trust in certain makers and then completely not in others. Um, but we know Disney is a skittish company when it comes to certain things. They learned that lesson with um, with The Last Jedi, I think. Um, I'm looking forward to Obi-Wan Kenobi. I would especially be looking forward to it if it's if it's a lot like the prequels, which has both of its its wonders and terrors. Um, but the fact that both Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen are in it is great. It's pretty much, of, of all these shows, way too many shows announced, um, it's the one I'm probably the most excited for because it's it's a little bit too much. They're basically saying, you know, we did one show, people loved it, and it was good. They did a great job with it, or they've been doing a great job with it. But to then say, you know, over the next few years, expect to see, you know, 20 more shows, that's asking a lot. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm not a fan of that sort of release strategy where it just sort of seems to be the trend where you hear about – oh, this property was successful and now get ready for six spinoffs and sequels that are now in the works. And it's like, why do we need all that? Can't you just take it one at a time? You don't need to lay out an entire universe right from the get-go. Let it go as you need it to go. Which is literally what DC did and was their downfall. I think that that um, seeing how, and we'll talk about Marvel very soon, but seeing how Marvel worked so well in the buildup of the MCU, I think they can see you know, the, the, the fan interest in Star Wars is there. And I do have to say, um, just on the on the TV side, the only other show I'm genuinely interested in is The Acolyte. And the reason for that is it's the... Okay, so everything in the Star Wars universe that we've seen, like um, whether it's live action or animated, that's all official canon. So not counting, not counting any of the recent books or comics since Disney took over. But everything's been within about an 80 to 100 year time frame. Pretty much there's always been a Skywalker, um, either it's Anakin or ray taking the name whatever um there's always been a skywalker it's always been kind of in the same time frame the acolyte is the very first time we're going to properly see um the old republic so it's the very end of the old republic which is the high republic era but we're going to see something where you know there's lots and lots of jedi which we saw in the prequels but we saw the end of that of course the the high republic era republic era is still even more another couple hundred years before that so i think the acolyte's a unique opportunity to show us just finally something a bit more of a precursor, a bit more different. Everything else is sort of all these tangents and, and things. Like, I loved Rogue One, but I don't need to see the Andor show. I don't really love Lando Calrissian enough to see a Lando show. I'm not interested in, like, all these other pieces, even Rangers of the New Republic, all this stuff. I need, it's sort of the same issue in Star Trek. I need far enough in the past or far enough in the future, which Star Trek is now trying to finally do, um, to make it interesting for someone like me. But all that said, the two movies do interest me. 
And the fact that they've got both Patty Jenkins and Taika Waititi involved as well, that has me very curiously excited as well. Taika Waititi is one of my favorite directors. And if they can give him sort of free reign the way that they allowed him with Thor Ragnarok to sort of reshape the character, that's going to be a good thing. I know he's already uh, giving interviews where he talks about how he can't wait to ruin Star Wars for all the hardcore fans, which clearly he's going to have some fun with. And then Patty Jenkins, you know, who's just done the two Wonder Woman movies, is basically being given blank checks to sort of do what she wants. And and I I hope that sort of continues. I love to move fast and speed of any kind. I think that that's because I grew up the daughter of a great fighter pilot. And every day I would wake up and go outside and look up and see my father and his squadron taking off and their F-4s roaring across the sky. And it was the most thrilling thing still I've experienced in my entire life. I think so. I think that she she's clearly going to have a standalone movie. I think Taika will too. But Rogue Squadron is, you know, like people want like zapping space planes. That's what they're going to get from this movie. Like it's going to be, it's, I think it's going to be along the lines of Rogue One of just something that's fun to watch. Not as con- like super highly connected to the lore that the the pre the sequel trilogy had a lot of issues with. What I actually think from Taika Waititi is I'm also really excited for. First of all, we're not seeing that movie for like five or six years. That's one thing. Um, I have a feeling either he's doing Old Republic, so like twenty thousand years in the past of uh, of the of what we've seen so far. So really, really different. Um, where it can be really out there, it can be really kooky. The, the, the kind of the religion of the Jedi is in a very different place. Or he's going to be the first to do, you know, a hundred years after the Mandalorian, or, or no, actually after the sequel trilogy, like really, really far in the future, just like I was saying before. Something just wacky out there, you know, still some Jedi, still some Force, still some all that stuff, but different. Um, and I mean, the only thing that there's no title, the only thing they could show was some weird art that looked like Schoolhouse Rock. So that should be enough to show us that there's something weird coming. Yeah, this will definitely be very far away because he already has two movies announced. One, I think that's almost done or is completed. Next goal wins. And and then he also has like another movie that's coming out after that. So he's going to not be getting to this for quite a while. Now, the it'll last- be worth the wait. Yes, yes, it will be. Now, the last thing we can kind of talk about, speaking of Taika Waititi, is uh, all the Marvel stuff. We we kind of know a lot of this. You know, I mentioned off the top, you're on episode 90. Listen to that, where we kind of talk about most of the TV shows. So we're only going to very briefly touch on that sort of stuff. But we do get some more information of what's going on. We've had now a trailer for WandaVision for, for most of the summer, I believe. That's when it came out. We got a release date, January 15th, that's going to be coming out. Where did you two move from? How long have you been married? And why don't you have children yet? Our story. I think what my wife means to say is that we moved from... Moved from where? Married when? Damn it, why? Oh, Arthur, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. And then we also got two trailers, one for the Falcon and the Winter Soldier and one for Loki. Uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier is coming out in March and then Loki is coming out in May. Both those trailers didn't really do a lot to excite me, so I'm not too sure, but uh, I am still very excited for WandaVision. Yeah, I, I'm i very excited for WandaVision too. It's probably the one I'm most interested in for along the same reasons the trailers didn't excite me, but I, I'm worried about the same problem of too many shows. Like when they announced the first four, which is the ones we're getting essentially in the first half of the new year, um, WandaVision, Falcon, Winter Soldier, Loki, and What If, 
Um, and then we knew, and then, and then they said, okay, we're doing Hawkeye, Miss Marvel, She-Hulk and Moon Knight. And then, you know, they keep adding, they've added another, we won't, we're only going to talk about a couple of them, but they, they keep adding them. It's like, it's great because they're, they're very much, none of these are going to be recurring series with multiple seasons. Like they're very much just longer form movies or they're like mini series. But again, it's too much. They even said for, um, for the Doctor Strange sequel, they basically said, oh, you need to watch a, co- a couple of these shows if you want to know what's going on. And, and, you know, there's going to be a character in Captain Marvel too that you need to watch a show for. Like, they're going to, I think they're going to run into an issue where it's bad enough they had 20 something movies. Um, I often think of our friend who we joked about bringing, bringing her to see um, Avengers Endgame, but none of the other, having not seen any of the other Marvel movies. That's hard enough. Now you're asking people to commit to, you know, six to 10 hours for every show. And some just aren't going to interest them. When I look at the list of stuff that we, we even already knew about, it's just WandaVision and maybe Moon Knight for me. Yeah. Like that's, that's what's really singing to me in terms of stuff. And then the new shows I'm interested in too, but that's so much. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're absolutely right. It sort of was almost back to the problem with me when, when Netflix was making the Marvel TV shows where I was like, great, I'll, I'll start watching daredevil. Oh, and now there's a, another one and another one and another one and another one. And then by the end of it, I was just like, because the quality was all over the place, I wasn't watching all of them. And, and thankfully they're not canon as far as the movies go. I did enjoy Daredevil and I did enjoy Jessica Jones and, you know, parts of Luke Cage, but like it was just so much going on there that I couldn't keep up with all of it. And I've never had any interest to go back, especially as it moves on. So I think what's going to end up happening is there's going to be a real sort of cottage industry of YouTubers being like, and here's what you missed on WandaVision that you need to know going into the yep. next Marvel movie. Well, and they are starting a series called Marvel Legends, which is just a clip show to help people know what's going on. And I think oh God. What, before every before every movie comes out, like before they do the Doctor Strange sequel, they'll do a clip show of all the things you need to know from WandaVision, the first Doctor Strange, you know, the Thor movies he was in, like every, and apparently Doctor Strange is going to be in, in the next Spider-Man movie. So how do you connect that? So um, I do want to talk about the new shows, the ones that are really, um, I mean, the main one that's really exciting for me is Secret Invasion, mainly because it's based on a comic, um, on a comic crossover that I loved. I think it's just sort of a, um, Without giving too much information, it's, it's right there in the names that there's aliens, uh, if you saw the Captain Marvel movie, that can look like humans and they take over. But I think they're using a different approach, um, which I don't want to spoil the Captain Marvel movie, even though it's been out for like two years at this point. Um, <laughs> but time is an illusion. Anyway, I think that it's um, it's interesting that they're doing Armor Wars is another one that's been a crossover. They're doing kind of crossover stories, but as, as a vehicle for one or two individual people. Um, even for Ironheart is, <clears throat> which is a more recent comic is to introduce, you know, the new Iron Man. So it's, um, it's a, a, a young black woman who, who kind of takes up the mantle and sort of does it all on her own. Um, and, uh, and I mean, I think it's great. It's wonderful. I think we have, we have ahead of us like a new Marvel series every two months, which is kind of what Disney needs to really keep people invested, but it's also way too much. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And luckily, they it seems like they're doing their own thing, not the Netflix way of, of dumping everything all at once. They are doing the, the one episode per week sort of TV format, which honestly, in my opinion, kind of works better because I look at and I'm like, oh my gosh, a show that looks interesting. Oh, and it's 10 episodes and that's 10 hours. When am I going to get around to this? Whereas a TV show, it's like, great, a new episode came out. I've got time this Tuesday night. I will watch it on Tuesday. Oh, and I don't have to, I can wait a week now and I'll watch it next Saturday and, and that sort of thing. So yeah. I like that. Which it's funny in this pandemic, I haven't watched, I really haven't watched a ton of TV because, you know, I have other things I want to do and I don't want to commit to certain things as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think just, and, and the last thing kind of on the thing of movies. So Marvel has been known for kind of doing slate. So, you know, and announcing a phase all at once or something. They've already done that because basically this whole year is a wash. 
So now we're looking at next year having three or four, like three for sure uh, Marvel movies coming up. They've kind of changed around the schedule a little bit so that Shang-Chi will become come before Eternals, which wasn't originally going to be the case. Um, and uh, and I think that there's, I think Spider-Man might end up being next year too, which they didn't talk about because it's not their property. But so much of what they talked about is stuff we already knew, knew about, you know, Doctor Strange, um, Thor Love and Thunder information, Captain Marvel 2 and Guardians of the Galaxy 3, which were like sort of quasi-announced but never official. Um, it was really interesting for them to be like, yeah, we already have these movies. Here's, here's, here's info about that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And they also talked a little bit about Black Panther 2, mainly the news that they are not planning on recasting Chadwick Boseman's character. They are going to move ahead with a, a different storyline, I imagine. So that's going to be really interesting mm-hmm. to sort of see how they, they handle that. Yeah, and I think it's like, you know, good for them. They've even set a theatrical release date with pretty much no information available that's in like a year and a half at this point. Um, but I, I think it's I think they know what they want to do. They've known what they wanted to do. And this actually gives them the unique position to really be ahead of the game. I think a lot of these movies that are on this list of, of a lot of sequels, even Blade, they're going to just film them all pretty much next year. People are going to be very busy, even amidst the pandemic, just film it all so that they're ready to go. Um, I do have to talk about Fantastic Four. And um, Fantastic Four has always been one of my favorite superhero teams because of the really weird 90s animated show, 80s, 90s. Um, and this will be the fourth film attempt, not the third, the fourth film attempt at Fantastic Four. The first one, it was in the 90s, which was just a means for Fox to keep the rights. Don't look it up. It's garbage. Um, and then the two that had uh, Chris Evans and uh, Jessica Alba and some other folks in it, too, that I actually loved from the 2000s. And then the really dreadful one from not too long ago, just them putting that that on the screen. It's the director of Spider-Man, uh, the Spider-Man movies, John Watts, is doing it. Just, you know, I know it's in better hands. Um, I think that there's a lot of potential. Um, and I I don't want to say anything more at risk of ruining it because it, it, it's very, it, this is basically Marvel saying, you know, we have all the, we have all the X-Men, we have Fantastic Four, we have all these Fox properties. We're just going to do one thing first. We're just going to take it easy. Yeah, especially since I believe X-Men is basically... Uh asleep for now other than the deadpool series that they, they don't plan on making any x-men movies for a while which is a smart move because the way the comics have changed is pretty significant and i think what the plan to do is use it started with something called house of x powers of x where there's basically a nation of of, of mutants um i have a feeling that they'll actually use that to introduce mutants in like four or five years because it's new it's fresh it's a different approach that they can take that allows them to sort of just be like, oh, kablam, now there's these other people. Whereas Fantastic Four is one team. Um, they they tend to be really well connected with Spider-Man and a few other uh, Marvel characters. So there's good there's good opportunities to bring them in. And the fact that John Watts is directing, and if, if Sony was open to it, you know, maybe Spider-Man can make his way into that movie too. Mm-hmm. Well, there you have it. This is why I had you on, because you know <laughs> so much more than I do, and I'm so happy that you're able to share all of your knowledge and expertise. Oh, I'm happy to help. I'm happy. You know, we're going to do an episode about about all this in a couple of years. And you'll be like, Sammy, did you watch any of this? Like, nah, just read the Wikipedia <laughs> summary. You know, um, it, it's 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 just like comics. There's too many. Like no, nobody reads every DC and Marvel comic or not nobody, but few people do, do because it's expensive and there's a lot of it. So now, of course, with a, a subscription service, streaming service where you can get all this stuff is great. But you know, people need to watch it. And like you said about Netflix originals, the quality needs to be good. So I will be watching for that.
Mm-hmm. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Sammy. Uh, and you know, what are your thoughts on all of the stuff that was announced? Do you have any stuff that you're really eager for or excited about? Let me know. Send an email, contrazoompod at gmail.com, and, uh, and I'll read it on the air on a future episode. And you can also follow the show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at ContraZoomPod. Today's show is presented by Aesthetic Magazine. Thank you to Eric and Kevin Smale for the theme music and to Stephanie Pryor for the logo design. If you can rate and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts, that will be a huge help. Thank you for listening. Forty-two minutes and nineteen seconds. Nailed it. Well done. <laughs>